Well, welcome to Montana Voices Podcast, episode 46, I believe. Or I think we're going to skip 46 and just call it Goodbye 45 for obvious reasons. It's Oh, you had to, didn't you? I sure did. It's a uh... <laughs> The votes haven't been counted yet. It's not even January 6th. What is wrong with you, sir? kind of heresy uh, are you even starting to show up? They've not been certified. You you are correct, but with <laughs> I I believe that Joe Biden is our president elect. It's very much in all in all reality, it's starting to look that way there unless starting to unless look that literally way. unless Pence literally comes month. in and pulls a, a literal John Cena. I it's pretty it's all but in the books right now. By god, it's Mike Pence with a folding chair. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically what it would. Could you imagine though, on the sixth, if when he's out there counting the votes and he just pulls something out, pulls something out of the whole, just out of left field. I mean, just the memes about it would be insane. You know, you, you they always had that WWE gif of the, of a wrestler just running down the mat with a with a metal folding chair, just running up to the ring, hitting somebody with it. That would be Pence. It's Bernie Sanders with the folding metal chair, by the way. The original meme. There. Was it Bernie Sanders? It sure was. Okay. No other. The guy that is currently filibustering, trying to get you an additional $1,200 per person in your household. An additional, what, on top of the 2000 No, it's uh, the 600 is a for sure deal. That's in the bank or will be in the bank soon. But the right. uh, he wants it to be 2000 per person. And I haven't read the bill for some reason. Uh, I've been looking for it on the uh, congress.gov website. Um, I'll do a quick plug for montana.leg.gov, whatever, where you can look up every bill and who's behind it and who's uh, dissenting on it and which committees that are in there, et cetera. But we have the same thing on the national level. And for whatever reason, the text of the bill for the $2,000 thing is not available at this time. Can I just point out one thing really quick, though? Uh, Go on. I immediately got us distracted. Go ahead and do it. Your math is wrong. Your math is wrong. He's not fighting for $1,200. He's fighting for $1,400. Oh, well, he he's a good socialist. <laughs> Sorry, I completely derailed your opening there, and I apologize only tongue-in-cheek there, so please go on. Well, we're three minutes in, so we might as well tell people who we are and what we're doing. This is Montana Voices Podcast, episode 46, or Goodbye 45. We are once again blessed with the presence of full mana. I, do I get your moniker wrong every time? Yeah, yeah, you can just call me Chris, otherwise... I play or I masquerade as the person behind twitch.tv slash mana online and also on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash full mana gaming. And we could totally put these links in our description or whatever that people can click click and maybe we will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the links uh, and I won't mess it up this time. So I, I, I forgot to even name you the first episode. I think. Yeah, you did. You probably didn't, uh, but I mean, I can't prove it right now, but since you're willing to offer yourself up on that pike, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang you on it. That's all I'm gonna do. Well, I, I don't think I did. Well, I usually call you by a kind of bastardization of your last name, just personal. <laughs> so just a little bit. Since we're just on, a little bit of one. Yeah. So we're on a first name basis, Chris or or Mana Online. Welcome back to the cast yeah. by popular demand again. Always, always, always a pleasure to be on on the show here. In fact, always. You know, when we, usually when something a, a show is struggling, they bring on an interesting like female character to spice things up or whatever. And we've tried that, but we've gotten more reviews Gee. out of you than we than we have the I, ladies. I thought I thought you were about. I was just going to make a comment, sir. Are, are you I, are you identifying? Are you misgendering me, good sir? Are are you asking me to be a certain gender that I may or may not 
actually identify as? Uh, I will just call you mana until you decide. You know what? That's absolutely fair. I completely... Okay, go on. Continue. <laughs> well, you were probably listening to this on your podcast app of choice, uh, everything but Spotify, and Twitch. We were on Twitch, but we, we'll we we'll get to Twitch in a moment here. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. Uh, Google oh, Podcasts, of course, on Apple Podcasts. You could be... Fire listening on YouTube, where we have the highest quality B-roll of Montana. I think it's going to be trains through an open field, a prairie. There's this prairie in the mountains. There's some train tracks run through it. I think that'll be our B-roll, I believe. Finest okay. B-roll you can find. What else am I missing? Of course, uh, we are uh, MontanaVoices at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, Monta- at Montana Voices. We're on Facebook. If you Google Montana Voices podcast, we are the first link that comes up. So, welcome back. Wow. Let's... Uh, Get right into your business here. My I'm business. Of, well, I'm kind of bringing you on. We have Montana-related things, and we will get into those. The internet is ablaze, literally. Oh my god, Liter- dude! the The internet is right now just one massive trash fire right now of of memes on one side and um, just complete degeneracy on the other. It's absolutely insane right now. Now, I don't live in this space, so to speak, since I'm not an online gamer of any sorts, really. Um, well, it's well, like I said, it, it's you don't even necessarily need to be an online gamer anymore because a lot more a lot more people here, especially in places like Montana or other remote areas, are starting to get a lot more of their entertainment from online sources like YouTube and Twitch. I don't have the stats right in front of me here, but. You're, we're starting to see a major shift in people's viewing habits. They are not watching traditional terrestrial programming much anymore, and they're either going for a la carte services like CBS or HBO, or they're going to go for user-driven content like what's on YouTube and Twitch right now. You're absolutely so, right. Uh, the articles will state the millennials are killing cable television and everything that's good about America. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I used to be of the opinion that a la carte was kind of a good thing. Because, you know, we always like the idea of more consumer choice and all the thing. But th- I think in the back of my mind, I always wondered, you know, just how much would it cost to actually have an a, la- a true a la carte style program? Most content creators, if you want the if you want the non free content, there are a lot of creators or content creators that I watch that actually have like they, they do like extra podcasts or they'll do uh, Q&A, interactive Q&A and stuff like that from people who pay them like who go through Patreon or something like that and pay them like five bucks a month. So you're essentially paying for that additional content. And now they now that services like HBO and CBS have glommed on to like the Netflix model, they're starting to charge like 15, 20 bucks a month for that kind of stuff. So now. Now people can pay two hundred bucks a month, like like they used to be paying with cable bills, and maybe get an eighth of what they used to get on ca- on cable TV. But the other argument is, is now you're pay- you're actually paying for content that you want to watch. I'm still I'm not sure. Uh, you know, if it was just YouTube and Twitch creators that were doing this, I would I would probably be a little bit more okay with it there. But I I worry that the uh, that that the big that the big media companies now have really glommed onto like what Netflix did has done and they're like we're gonna do this and we're gonna make more money than we ever made off of companies like Comcast or anything like that. Oh well, we'll get to Comcast in a second. Luckily, they're not in Montana yet. God, we're set. I'm segueing all over the place here. So, I'm just setting you up here. Something so. about the uh, not the Twitters, the uh, the Twitches. Oh, and yeah. Montana Voices podcast does have a Twitch account, and I think Bryce has played Far Cry on there once. 
<laughs> Go, Bryce. We love you, man. We um, did a cast so, yeah. while we played Far Cry, and we streamed it to Twitch, uh, just just for our own entertainment, not to right. make that our platform or anything. But it's something about Twitch and bands and how they're handling uh, Twitch. Of course, an Amazon company now. Worth noting, right? People who have not been who've not been who've not listened when uh, the last few times I've been on Twitch.tv is a website where. People can stream content like video games. Now, even because Twitch is owned by Amazon, they have access to Amazon movies, so you can actually have watch parties on there. Technically, you wouldn't be streaming the movie, but anybody who has like an Amazon Prime member membership can watch a video alongside a content creator. You could have interactivity right there, there as you all are watching the same content. So, like some of the creators that I've been watching have been going through like the back catalog of like uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation and stuff like that on there. It's actually kind of neat. It's a really interesting way of uh, getting people to interact with Twitch, though. There is definitely some very downsides. There, there's some very big downsides um, because it's user driven con- content. It's very important that um, adults and, and parents really got to watch what's on Twitch because it literally can change from one from one broadcaster to another uh, recent or one of the first articles I sent this to you. I, I so make this will make sense. This channel is called Misbehaving, so uh, I'm yeah, assuming it's I, I assume it's pushing the limits there. Yes, uh, you know, doing doing the stuff that uh, gets the uh, that gets the attention and more importantly the money of P- of uh, some very lonely people out there in the world, of which there right are a lot of right now for a number of reasons. Yes, yes, there are. And to set this up, I'm going to describe to you. A recent thing that happened with a streamer named Misbehaving. Exactly what you think. Now, is is the goal to get them to go to there? Because you can't do actual illicit stuff on on Twitch, right? You are not supposed to. So is the goal to to get them to go to your other site or whatever? You are not supposed to stream pornography and stuff like that. So the idea is, is that these streamers in particular leverage their extremely good looks. In this case, what this particular streamer was doing, this article kind of sums it up right here. This female Twitch streamer, Misbehaving, who bared her private parts live in front of the cam, only got a three-day ban from Twitch. She bared her private parts because she thought she was recording it for her OnlyFans. And Twitch, with uh, with Twitch, Misbehaving is what is a member of their partner program where they get better at, where they get better, uh, what are called, CPMs for their ad greater rev share of uh, subscriptions and stuff like that. Even though she pretty explicitly broke the rules on Twitch, right now you got kids sitting at home just browsing through. They're watching Ninja or whoever, and then all of a sudden they might click on act. They might accidentally click on misbehaving, and all of a sudden now you're explaining the birds and the bees to them, or you know why is this lady doing that on the screen? There's money to be made, so it seems like a simple question. There, oh, it, yes, there it, people like her make a lot of money i can't give figures because they're very, obviously these these ladies and and even their man even their management companies are very reluctant to really to release just how much they're making because well then it's going to increase their competition it's going to bring additional scrutiny on the whole thing you know basically they're kind of running a racket if you know what i mean and the last they're thing running, we need is the irs looking into how much money's being made here where some people who were against these streamers were encouraging everybody on the internet to report them to the IRS. 
and stuff like that. Oh, God, we need to talk about that, that kind of that degeneracy later. But the point that I was making here is, is that technically doing what she did should have would have like ninety nine point nine percent certain earned a lifetime ban to anybody else doing it, especially like any guys that did that for sure. Any male streamer that would have done that would have done that would have earned a lifetime ban and he would have absolutely deserved it. Right. Instead, she gets a three day ban and still remains in the partner program. There was that going on. Well, then what then this and then following not full, not so long after that, there was a a ban was handed out to another streamer called Tehuhu. Now, she is a. Uh, a uh, streamer for a game called Valorant. She is female. She is a single mom. And the reason why that is important is because she's not a, she is not one of these thought streamers. She's just literally a girl gamer. She's actually picked up by one of the larger e-gaming orgs, INTZ over in uh, where she lives, an up and coming, uh, essentially professional gamer. What happened was is that she ordered dinner for her and her daughter because again she's a single mom. Keep that in mind, and she you know goes AFK as they call it and goes to go get the goes to go get the order. Her little girl sneaks into her room. She had no idea what was going on, and the little girl just gets up on the key, you know gets up in the chair. You can see her on camera, and she just starts interacting with the chat. She just starts talking with the chat. So and what's the problem here? Twitch banned her for life. For uh, because that against the rules, or because her kid was on stream without without an adult present. I kid you not. Lifetime ban. Well, I'm now, he- hesitant to speak ill on our corporate overlords. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Bezos is in this personally. Because, or again, where Twitch only banned misbehaving for three days and kept her as part of in part of the partner program. She's still getting the she's still getting the preferred ad rates and everything like that, and then they just banned this this gal because again her her she left the door open and the kid just came in. How do we only have one choice in this? I mean, if it was Twitch that was doing something wrong and banning or not banning somebody, yeah. you, our dollar votes or, or view votes should have a say to take us. Well, I'm going to go to whatever other streaming platform. What's the other one? The problem, YouTube gaming, Facebook is a thing and. <laughs> With the folding of Mixer, which was a Microsoft-sponsored project, there really is no other major streaming platform. Facebook is trying to basically become the Twitch competitor with their Facebook gaming, and they potentially have a chance to do that, which one of the big draws of these uh, platforms like Twitch and Facebook gaming and everything like that is that you as the viewer have the opportunity to to interact and talk with the creator while they're while they're doing the performance on the stream on the screen watch watch things happen and as they unfold because it's unscripted this isn't like corporate produced this is just literally people just sitting back playing a video game vibing and chilling and talking with talking with people in chat well so maybe we should be doing that well the thing is is that like i said or to get back to the point i was making mixer folded and they basically got out of the game microsoft was like we're not it's really hard to get people to move away from something they already use. They already know and use, right? Happens anywhere in the world. You want to get people away from Walmart? How are you going to do that? But you should. Yeah. I will so, argue that. It, we do not shop at Walmart yeah, in this house. You're right. And so, again, that's, so that's the same problem that Mixer had, is, is that everybody was already used on Twitch. And so 
they never really adopted Mixer. It, it was already kind of late in the game, and none of the none of the creators that people really because like Mixer had big names like Ninja, like like uh, Ninja over there. But you got to have also the the B and C roster streamers. You got to have a wide variety of them because Ninja can't be on there all the time. And even when Ninja was on there, I think he was only getting about ten to fifteen percent of the audience that he was getting on Twitch. And of course, Twitch now has the backing of Jeff Bezos as Amazon, so they can pretty much do whatever they want, and they can ha- and they can make decisions like they had here for banning Tahiti or I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing her name, um, Tehuhu. God, why was I thinking Tehihi? I don't um, know. So, <laughs> this is the first yeah, time I've heard of either of these names. Tehuhu. Uh, Get it I right. Think. So she's yeah, back on on the yeah. Twitch, right? She is. Yeah, she is back. And it was great because the first day that she was back, she came back on stream. Tehu came back on stream and her daughter was with her. I was just like, I could think of no better finger to Twitch than to do that. That's so great. So let's get um, something about Comcast. Yeah, the the next thing that I don't think a lot of people are prepared for, but Comcast has announced, and this article that I have here is dated Christmas Day, but I know that it was announced, I believe, back in November. Comcast as a whole will cap all home internet data starting the first week of January, and they're going to cap it at 1.2 terabytes. If you exceed 1.2 terabytes worth of data traffic, they are going to start billing you overages on that. The issue that a lot of people don't realize is is that data is going to get eaten up pretty freaking quick. Now, say users who go over the cap will be charged $10 for every 50 gigabytes. So to put this in perspective here, one terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. So they're going to be billing you $10 for every 50 gigabyte of data consumed over the initial limit. Um, Although they say, they promise monthly chart that those charges will never exceed a hundred dollars they promise ever um comcast back in march temporarily suspended its data cap threshold due to due to the coronavirus pandemic so i mean that's another factor in this too here is is that uh you know they they could the big problem with a lot of these with comcast and them is is that they are basically the dominant player in the entire for entire metropolises or base or maybe even entire states. Well, to the point you I made earlier, if there was a choice, if there was a reasonable competitor for those, but there is not, Elon will be sending you our internet dollars soon. When we talk about reasonable internet competitors here, we're not talking about you know like CenturyLink, which could potentially provide you with with DSL service in the single megs up and down. We're talking about being able to do multiple. We're talking about two, even just two digit up and down on your home internet because that's what a lot of that that's what a lot of streaming services are use. The USDA considers actual broadband to be twenty five by five, it, which uh, uh, that, I don't get. To me, here. that should be a. But I live in a shack in a, Montana, so yeah, that that's that's a bare minimum for today. In I, I say it's a bare minimum for people who are who kind of subsist off the internet. Right there, but in reality, it should be a little bit higher here. According to Comcast, uh, the new data cap will only come into play for an estimated five percent of its subscribers. But I ask, but then that begs the question: Why is why are you even doing this? If this is only going to affect five percent of the people that are you that are doing this, and even then, those five percent of the people are spread out in different markets, right? Why is this such a problem? If this goes through without any kind of significant challenge. 
Um, I feel like two things are going to happen as more and more things are delivered online. Cause like your video games now come online. You can't really buy physical copies of them anymore. You can't go watch movies online anymore. You got or uh, offline anymore in movie theaters. You got to get the new releases online. Everything that you do is now online. So now you're going to be paying you X amount of bucks a month for internet. You're going to be paying. Eventually that data cap is going to come down They're they're just starting at a really high number of 1.2 terabyte, but I don't think that's where they want it at. I bet you anything, they probably want it in the in the sub terabyte region. They want it Absolutely. in the hundreds of gigs. Well, this that, is that's uh, my bet. We'll be coming to Montana right now. Uh, uh, Choptimum, who's who's your internet provider over there? Uh, Spectrum. Spectrum, yeah. formerly Same Charter, thing. formerly Bresnan, cable hump companies, formerly uh, AT and T, formerly AT and T, but cable companies uh, change hands left and right. And it's, it's sort of contrasting because cable companies were once the uh, sort of the great equalizer breaking into uh, markets that were previously just completely dominated by your um, big AT&T and Ma Bell. And they were yes. sort of the rebel rousers who uh, had to basically assert their rights legally because the first cable channels were simply recasts of public uh, of, of over-the-air television. Yep. So over the, the air television. Yeah. Yep. So they had to assert their rights to do that. They had to assert their rights to be able to lay infrastructure on uh, utility poles. But now it, it's quite the opposite. Now they are the Ma Bell. They have become the thing that they hate, as in a, in a manner of speaking. But the second thing to watch out for is is wait to see, wait until it's reported just how much more money Comcast is making from this. And I guarantee you, Spectrum will do it next. I, well, I guarantee you. They don't you, sell to Comcast Spectrum, next year. I don't think that that I I don't think that that will go through, or at least it won't go through entirely. They'll probably be forced to sell certain markets, which will just start the whole chain over again. They'll well, ha- they'll spin them off, and then a year or two later, they'll get bought right back up. We really went off but, on a tangent uh, when I said the internet is on fire. I was referring to uh, literally on fire with uh, you know not Montana events, but AT and T being blown up. But let's get back to Montana. Well, I mean, don't you don't you know, Jimmy? It was a missile. Come on, it was a missile, man. Uh, a missile. I heard it had something to do with voting machines for some reason. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I completely, yeah, I completely. I, I'm not fueling those like flames. It. I haven't even looked into it. It sounds ridiculous. I also heard Taylor Swift's behind it. Yeah. So, but to wrap up, I think to wrap up this point here is, is that this I feel is a very anti-consumer thing. To me personally, has always been in the back of my mind when as Spectrum has been rolling out faster and faster internet speeds like they want to now offer you one you know they're getting everybody hooked on like one gig one gig speeds and stuff like that had a view inside the cable industry i've always thought to myself why the big push to get all this out very quickly because and to me and that maybe this is just me being cynical but i truly believe that the whole idea behind getting one gig speeds out there was eventually to turn around and make it so that way you burn through your data cap really really fast well, not only are you right, but there is a company in Montana, um, in eastern Montana, Wyoming, and uh, South Dakota that, that currently does that. They give you a wide open pipe as fast as they can get it to you, and they charge you by the gigabyte. This, to me, is just absolute highway, highway robbery now. The argument, now, the argument against it would be that, that at the ISP level, they, they have to pay by the... ISPs are not given wide open part, pipes by, by their tier ones and stuff like that. And so the argument that that was put to me was, well, why should we as the ISP have to pay for the person who's torrenting 
off of our network and down, you know, sailing, sailing the seven seas. Well, you're right, but that, like, there's no com- yeah. competition in this. And uh, sort of no. bring it back into Montana, current guy Tester is a big proponent of uh, funding broadband and those USDA grants. But the argument that I've made in the past is that uh, it doesn't fuel competition to do that. Only your incumbents and only your companies that are big enough to have a grant r- response team is uh, are the folks getting those. These small companies that are just putting fiber in the ground or uh, are running wireless are not equipped to get those grants, and therefore you're you're paying no. for their demise with, with our tax dollars. By the way, I don't know the full specifics of that one. Is that the idea that we're essentially the state would fund to have like meet me locations? Not the meet me locations. I'm talking about the CAF dollars. That's C A F. I forget what it stands for, but it's USDA money that is uh, uh-huh. given to ISPs, or they they apply for it to uh, serve underserved areas that they're they're in. Oh, and that's okay. where they come so into like that. Bring, disc- fi- bring like fiber out to the rural areas and stuff like that. Uh, not necessarily fiber, but anything. Twenty-five by five is what they consider broadband. For serving underserved areas, you can get a grant allotment, and that's building a lot of the fiber around the state at the moment. But of course, it's hmm. uh, USDA dollars. But the the point I made earlier is it doesn't foster competition at all. It's our our big lex that are getting that money. It's your uh, your spectrums getting yeah. that money certainly. And other, uh, yes. your CenturyLink absolutely is. Your competition is uh, is none. I mean, what options do you have? What viable options do you have? You have Charter right now. Is there any other option that would offer you the same service? The rates that they want to sell me? Probably not. I know that CenturyLink or, what is it, Lucent now? Whatever the heck they call themselves. Uh, it's hard to keep um, up with. I just know that they changed their name because they wanted to completely move away from that whole Quest CenturyLink thing because the name is completely trashed right now. So they just want to like, hey, I'm just changing my name and moving to it, moving to a new state, you know. Oh, speaking of which, in the um, in our current budget that was just approved, six hundred dollar checks coming your way. Big grant money going to uh, Tesla slash Starlink to serve the underserved areas. Um, despite it being satellite and there's no additional cost for them to serve these underserved areas. So they're on the yeah. government teed as well. Your tax dollars are buying Elon Musk something. I don't know. What else could you possibly need? Yeah, okay. Actually, you want to you know something really cool? You, you, it's funny you bring that up. I didn't put this on the dock, so I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blindside you with this one. You're going to love this, though. All right. Here's the, head, here's the headline from Politico. Senators want the public to see the government's UFO reports. Have you heard about this one? Oh, I'm all for that. Okay. It says, quote, unquote, here, here's the lead paragraph. Sen- the, the Senate Intelligence Committee has voted to require the U.S. intelligence agencies and the Defense Department to compile a detailed public analysis of all data collected on unidentified aerial phenomenon, including intrusions recorded by Navy pilots in recent years. The provision contained in the annual intelligence authorization bill, which still needs to be adopted by the full Senate, sets up an unusually public debate on Capitol Hill about how extensively the government has been tracking high-performance aircraft of unknown origins or UFOs. It's not the so Russians basically, this somebody, somebody in these, in that big old omnibus bill, you know, somebody, some, some cheeky, cheeky person snuck in a couple lines in there that basically says in six months the government would have to the the government would have to disclose basically what they know about ufos i am all for it It is about time we are (laughs) not alone george nori killed coast to coast am long live art bell no kidding right i need to pick up smoking so i can get that art bell voice for radio oh right man he just had that radio voice that nobody else will ever have again well, you chain smoke so. for 60 years, and <laughs> that's how you can get it. I'm 
starting late. Yeah, along with cancer. I, I want well. to kind of avoid that. Well, let's uh, look at stuff we uh, didn't talk about in the last cast. Uh, something about bikes yeah. in the airport. Nobody cares about bikes. It's Missoula. There's bikes everywhere. Right. Uh, it's the Missoula airport. <laughs> Missoula is relocating uh, Tent City. They're no longer going to be on the river, or they've, they've already actually done the move. So this is old news. Some movie stuff's happening in Great Falls. No one cares. And, uh, oh, uh, Butte wants to be able to tax residents uh, fixing that highway, that interstate. You should never stop working wait. on yourself, just like the highway to Butte. Wait. Yes, uh, street article? maintenance looking fees. The uh, they're looking, this one? That's who will build oh, the roads. Oh, okay, I see, I see here from them. Uh, so they are currently charging eighty seven seventy one for uh, a flat rate for properties, but now want to uh, have it under assessment. So it could be more for uh, apartments and uh, larger businesses. I can't believe they're already t- okay, so $87 have, a year for road maintenance in Butte. Paragraphs in here say a pending ordinance change this week could give commissioners a new option for assessing street maintenance fees on residents and businesses in Butte Silverbow. And if they choose the new method of raising more than 1.5 million in revenue for annual road maintenance next year, it'd be the second major change in just three years. The first change in 2018 was deemed far fairer than the previous manner. And some commissioners and county officials say a per unit. Yeah, instead of each parcel being charged an annual flat rate currently at $87.71, the fee would be assessed on each residential living unit, meaning each house in an individual apartment and on businesses and tax-exempt entities such as such as churches. Now, is uh, Cascade County charging for road maintenance on uh, city taxes? I didn't think they were. I thought they were just getting that, the regular Montana gas rebate. That's a rebate very tax. good question that I should probably probably you look at. have not looked at your tax bill, have you? This, this seems kind of... Okay, I think I know the reason why they would say that is because it, Butte already. If we're talking about the roads here in Butte itself, there's there's just not a lot of places to park. Anyways, Butte wasn't built <laughs> to have the roads that we have right now. It was a mining town with all the all the vehicle traffic that they have out there. the The roads are you know the roads are not that great, and in theory, this is they're they're going to look at like what are you doing with your property and try to bill you accordingly to in a essentially to try and raise money to i'm but guessing how is that not covered under they're... regular montana taxes because the montana fuel tax i think uh missoula county i could be wrong on this but missoula county has its own they we recently voted on this added two cents onto our gas tax for uh in yeah missoula, um for road maintenance right. I, but i think we are the outlier as in are the maybe the only county that has it i could be wrong i haven't researched that but i know in cascade right. county it's only um only state taxes and in, in most other counties it's only state taxes and that money goes to the state to build highways and then some of that money comes back for to build local roads so right I, i'm just not sure why this why the butte road maintenance needs are greater than anywhere else besides missoula because we're special i guess the problem that i have with this is that butte really doesn't have a lot going for it right now uh just oh they got my, the lady I, on the mountain I, i'm coming at this from an they have pork chops yeah, well, I mean, yes, they have the pork chop. They have the pork chop shop there, dude. And believe me, I'm pretty sure that that place is like carrying the whole freaking town. <laughs> pork chop I, Johns I would, is carrying the town. <laughs> I believe it, dude. 100%, I don't know man. about that. Um, there's a lot of there's but, New Butte and Old Butte, uh, and if you look at the New Butte, it's almost a suburb of Butte. It's it's beautiful new houses. They're all up to code. The uh, it is yeah. a super fun site still, but they are pumping water out of the pits. So they got that going for them. They had some uh, <laughs> mines are running in limited capacity right now. Certainly, it's a shadow of yeah. its former self, but there is mining still happening in Butte. 
there's yeah some business in Butte. Right, and there's those uh, nice federal government dollars that are coming in to uh, clean up abatement, and of course that brings people in and brings money in. Mm-hmm. What We can't talk bad about Butte. There's nothing more Montanan than Butte. Butte gave it all. We wouldn't have won the war without Butte. They gave, they gave it all, and now, and now in exchange they became a Superfund site? Yeah, now there's lead in the air. Yeah, there's lead in the air, and what, the pipes are still wooden underneath the streets? Well, that's better than lead pipes. I, I guess I don't I, think I they have. It's all a matter how you choose how, how you want to die. Their water. Pro, I don't think you have to boil the water in Butte anymore. They you don't both, think. They, uh, I haven't been there for a while, but it's still the running joke about. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I was there recently. I was there last week. I had a taco at El Taco. Just it, it's just called the Taco. Uh, Pork Chop John's was closed. Rosé's, I think it is, a little burger joint. Um, kind of reminds me of Arctic Circle. I think it was an Arctic yeah. Circle at one point. Um, was only doing drive through and I had a long drive and wanted to sit, not be in the truck for a minute. And eating, eating in your truck's never good. But no. had an El Taco, a taco made with pace uh, picante sauce, I believe. It's worth going to Butte just for that Pork Chop John's. And if you can get Next. it at the tavern, there's Pork Chop John's. But if you want a real Pork Chop, you got to go to the, I think it's the Freeway Tavern. They only accept cash and they are super weird. <laughs> no, I I went there. Um, this was uh, last. Of course, you went there. <laughs> of course, I did. This this was uh, quite. They're some weird. Time. They only accept cash. Please tell me they at least spoke English. Oh, uh, the, it's a butte English. So this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was working and coming through, and so it's about seven thirty that I'm walking in about dinner time. The sign in the door says they are open yeah. till ten, and right. restaurant slash tavern. Of course, that's a reasonable time. This was last year, so mm-hmm. I, th- I think this was either early in COVID, as I recall. So not everything was shut down, and they were certainly still open. So uh, I'm walking up to the door. I hear people talking inside. I open the door, and then it's just dead silent. And like I knew I had to go to the ATM, and the eyes and heads <laughs> followed me. Went to the ATM. I, I sit down. And I was like, well, I, I got to get the WAP chop, obviously. And she's like, well, it's going to have to be to go. We're closing in 10 minutes. And I was like, it's 7.30. What's it? Like, not even. They closed at 7.40? What? <laughs> yeah, an odd time to 7.40. <laughs> so I get or my food. Or is it just they're closed for your kind? Uh, yeah, I think uh, they recognize that I'm not from around these parts. So I, I get my food. I, leave, I I end up eating in a hotel. But right when I get to my truck, I have a phone call, work phone call. And then I was on my phone for 30 minutes. And it occurs to me, because I was parked right in front of the door, nobody left in that time. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah, was, nobody left. How did I know? How did I, how did I know? So, yeah, they're just not open for my kind and that's it's not a race thing it's just i'm i'm obviously not a butte person this is this is uh, it's almost like that cantina scene in star wars it felt exactly like, like that. that like when i walked in i'm like well i'm dedicated i am i'm committed now it, it <laughs> <laughs> we're in we're in man we there's no going back but there, there's no backup trying to remember who i told where i was going to go eat in case i go missing but but the lop chop i, I was have very to stand good. tall and establish dominance exactly you, you can't back down they, they smell fear Freeway Tavern, also worth the trip. All, all, I, all I'm going to say, Jimmy, is, is that this whole story reminds me of the haircut. That's it. That's oh, that's, all I'm going to say. That is a tale for another time. My Spanish has since yes, improved. Yes, it is. But, oh, it's improved since then? <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> did, you get so, did you get a Rosetta Stone <laughs> thing and just start practicing? 
Well, uh, uh, let's uh, move on to the right wing coup that's in our house. This is a uh, local Montana uh-oh. news again. Uh, that's exactly the point I was making here. As the uh, Montana Free Press, they come out with these, uh, and we have sort of taken the bait and followed them and, and reported on the same thing, which is our own research. But with them, um, they had a similar story last year about how there's infighting. And uh, last year there was a, uh, a, I guess, a core group of Republicans that were taking over the Republican Party. And there was reports from these Montana Free Press folks about how they're they're crashing their uh, – they like crashed the Republican dinner party that wasn't supposed to happen because they're not allowed to do that outside of uh outside of the naughty, house. Naughty, But you know, either our house, which is mostly overturned. I mean, it's the different people than it was three years ago. That's the point of a citizens' legislature that that we have. Um, are apparently doing the same thing. So I'm wondering if um, the Montana Free Press is just reporting uh, what they want to see here. Not to say that uh, there isn't some infighting, because certainly there's a lot of that, but Montana Republicans have a way of getting things done. Well, I, I, I think it's entirely possible because we're, cause right now, I think they're, I, at, especially at a national level, but it wouldn't surprise me at a state level if this is happening too, because Montana actually in the 2020 cycle has the distinction of being the only state where the governor flipped. So we we lost the we lost the Democrat governor. We're picking up a Republican governor, and the struggle that you're really seeing right now is populism versus establishmentarianism. Like him or hate him, Trump had a lot of coattails, um, and, and a lot of them in Montana. So yeah, especially yeah, I, I think that's probably like the big thing because like test because Montana it was really weird if, if you look at it. if you think back to the 2018 midterm election. Tester was up for re-election, and Tester had been a big thorn in Trump's side. And Trump and Pence both made it both made it an objective to try and get Tester lose his elect his election, and they failed. It didn't it didn't work. Tester, I don't remember what the margin was, but I think it was a decent margin there. Tester pretty easily won his next, and then yeah, and then you have the Republican obviously. wave come through here in the state, and then now all of a sudden. Jim Forte has taken taking the office. Greg the body back in action. So I mean, uh, it I, is a populist I, thing. Our voter I, turnout was insane this time, and they Montana voted overwhelmingly. Well, uh, aside from a few outliers like Missoula, it's Republican right. red state across the board. So it really is. It's at, at a more macro level. That's going to be very interesting. Like if it's going to be really interesting to see in two years, not four, in two years, what happened? What what our national politics as well as some of our state level stuff looks like in two years when Trump is not on the ticket because the big argument that that is being made at the national level on the right is, is that the national Republican party wants absolutely nothing to do with Trump. In fact, they want to push him off the ledge because they, because they don't like his pot, his populism. He, he won the presidency the first time he ran for it. He was not an established political figure beforehand. And all of a sudden now he's got this rising wave of populism and with it is bringing huge coattails. He's bringing, he's, holding Republican seats. He's gaining its state levels and, and all this kind of thing. And now the real question is, is what's going to happen in two years when he is not on the ticket and presumably back in private life? Well, establishment uh, Republicans are trying to uh, thwart him all they can. Apparently uh, Mitch McConnell is oh, oh. going against oh, Trump's yeah. idea about the $2,000 check, which uh, I'm for, by the way, uh, it's a terrible idea. And I was the last check was yeah. a terrible idea, but it was for that I, too. 
as, cheaply bought. I know you you kind of take more of the left position right now, and it might shock a lot of people as kind of me as the more right position. And color me. I, I know this. Is, I know I've been asked this question before by some of our some of our mutual friends who are of the leftist persuasion. And I, you know, when they ask me, do you do you think the government should be paying paying people like you know these checks? And I say, as long as the government is saying you can't work and you are not allowed to work, they should be doing this. These industries can't can't work, or you can't work, or you can't do this, you can't do that. Then it is upon it, regardless of the circumstances, it is incumbent upon the government fund people. Who, who are not allowed to work right now or who are, who would be, if that's who, who, who are, explicitly and only the money was for me and you have right. not, I mean, this has been a great year for the podcast doing great. It's paying bills every day. We can afford not a Behringer mixer. Finally, things are working <laughs> out. Yeah, it's finally paid dividends. You can move away from one Behringer. <laughs> yes. What? Things are, are looking up and, and I know your year has been pretty good as well. And so people like yeah. me and you, don't need that money, don't deserve that money, but I'm sure still taking it. I mean, well, I, I look at it this way: my wife can't work at any point in time, any point in time, and especially with the with the uh, musings of what's coming or of the presumably the Biden administration. There, he says, masks for a hundred days, and that's the uh, only real thing he said about it. But I think. I, I well, think what, we're all going to get he, the vaccine. Biden has said, and regardless Biden has of said how he wants to listen to his advisors and the science and the scientists and the people that are that are on that are that have been picked to be his advisors are saying six week lockdown. So, that's what they say, but, but he, I have a strong feeling that you're right. The vaccine you're right. is they, here, and you're regardless right. of how that effective is it is, saying, I think we're just going to sweep it under the, the rug. I'm, the point that I'm trying to get at, the ultimate point that I'm trying to get at, is that. We made the decision right now. She can stay unemployed right now. She's not drawing unemployment or anything. And when these mandates are lifted and we're not under the threat of, okay, the schools are going to be closing down because they can't get enough substitute teachers because they're all, all the teachers are being told to stay home because of uh, contact tracing. Then she can get back into the workforce. All right. Makes logical sense. That's our situation right now. What is our next topic on here? Uh, Something about nuclear. Let's move on to white Indians. So there's a, uh, a documentary that was showcasing the epidemic of missing women in Montana, but it conveniently um, stumbled and made them all white when the epidemic of uh, missing and trafficked, and uh, specifically for indigenous people. It's not white people that are going missing here. And uh, uh, I'm actually trying to bring up that article right now. Apparently, I, I grabbed the wrong one here. Oh, wait, are you talking about this ABC News article? Yep, ABC News about Big Sky. So the lead so the lead on this says, after ABC's Big Sky drew Native American censure for overlooking an epidemic of violence against indigenous women and girls, its producer set about making changes, but first, hurried steps were called bumpy and insulting by Native leaders. The reaction illustrates how well-meaning creators may struggle with growing demands for diversity and authenticity, especially with an ethnic group that Hollywood has at best ignored and at worst stereotype beyond recognition. So are they com- are they saying that when they went to do this documentary, it was mainly whites that they interviewed and such? But it is they used white actresses and they claim they based it off of a book called The Highway from 2013, which did not uh, mention mm-hmm. natives is what they say, but they're... Uh, if you watch the trailers, if you uh, and watch any clips of it, it's 
very obviously describing the uh, epidemic here in Montana of missing and endangered and trafficked indigenous women. And it and it is it's basically exactly that. It, it is a, it is a very serious problem that's a, that's that's going on out here. And that's not even worth joking about. Well, I, I didn't have um, any jokes on this segment. Yeah, so. no, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just. Uh, I'm, I'm just, playing, uh, just uh, pointing out. I'm playing uh, off the layup. You're right. Hollywood stereotypes. Uh, brown women don't sweat, sell um, unless you're actually buying them. So yeah, um, not whoa, a joke there. Whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, the, the numbers don't lie. They are um, per capita the highest, uh, most likely to be um, have violence struck against them, and also most likely to be involved or victims of human trafficking. So I, I yeah. say that very bluntly, but that's that's the truth. Okay, I wanted you to spell that out there because I mean I just didn't want that statement to end right there. <laughs> like, but speaking of missing and endangered Indigenous, you know, women, and uh, part of the issue is is jurisdiction on the reservations, which is my next bullet point here. No, that's not part of this here. I guess let me just. I guess my my take on this one is I I I I'm understand the criticism. I, I'm not saying that it is wrong. I guess I would want to know a little bit more. I mean, like, was there, you know, I, I think the, I think the criticism is legitimate, especially if you're, if you're making, if you're making a thing about native Americans and the abuse that the, you know, the lawlessness and stuff like that, that's going on there. I think it would behave you to, I think it would lay, it would put a lay, uh, an air of authenticity to at least have somebody who is of that, you know, who is of that background in there but i mean i i hate the accusation that that this was that they like deliberately said no we're we're not going to get people we're, we're not going to get native you know indigenous people into this film we just we want to put well, white we're only going to put white people in there uh, another problem I, is, I is know. Uh, you know i understand the, the business that. decision to to do so there's not really native actresses or actors that work in yeah. a non-stereotypical way um like the most accurate show that portrays Indians as they might actually, as real people, is actually Letterkenny. A hilarious show, by the way. You got to watch it. Tannis is a never mind. We'll get, I'll, I'll plug in Letterkenny. It's Canadian. Damn Canadians. Mm -hmm. We're building the wall on the wrong border. But <laughs> subject for another another time. But anywhere else, they're either not existent. They're um, an Indian, like a cowboy in Indian, and or they're right. in. In in the video game world, here here's an interesting fact. Do you know Do you know the actor Jay Tavar? Jay Tavar, his last name is T A V A R E. I do not. While you were talking here, I was trying to get it confirmed that he is actually Native American. I believe that he is, um, but he actually played Vega in the Street Fighter movie. He was brought on to voice act a character by the name of Code Talker on Metal Gear Solid Five, who was an old 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 Native American, and he spoke Diné. For the whole, for he actually, well, that is really cool. He learned, so. he, he learned, if I remember him correctly, I think this was on one of his Twitter posts, actually researched his ancestry and learned to speak the old tongue so that way he could actually fulfill parts of that role. He spoke both languages during, during, or in that game. It was well, really cool. I thought it, I thought it lent a lot of authenticity to it. And I love it when, when stuff like that is done to bring an era right. of authenticity to it. And you can see them on screen. You can hear them, and it becomes part of your psyche. It, it be, it's part of that natural blending that I like to that I like to see in good storytelling. Well, I, I think there's space, like when you're telling something specifically affecting Native Americans. I think there's space to actually have Native Americans, or maybe even somebody that looks Native American, 
in that narrative that you're displaying. Agreed. But I Absolutely. also think, and and this is where where Hollywood and all of our um, you know stories are falling short, that there is room for Native Americans as regular people in our narrative because they are just that. I mean, people you see in everyday life. A Native American doesn't have to be in your TV show for the sake of acting like a stereotypical Native. That's reinforcing a stereotype. So I, right. I, I think there's room for that as well. And I had the same, same gripe about Mexicans about 20 years ago. Hollywood's gotten better about it recently, usually. Right. So, although there's still plenty of that. Yeah. So the, uh, Absolutely. the, the Simpsons got rid of Apu, but the uh, Mexican Mumblebee guy is still there. So there's, there's still some. I'm of that. not touching that, or I'm going to get in big trouble. Um, but I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. When we're we're talking about missing, you know, indigenous, so I'm, part of the issue is jurisdiction on the tribe. I was thinking to the story. Was it outside of Harden where that uh, that gal went missing and she was found near the near the uh, the rest area where she had went missing, like within a mile of it. Yeah. Took them. Yeah. But I think like two weeks to find her. This was the middle of winter, so. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it, it was gonna take a while. Uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, which is uh, shameful. But there's so many of them that you really can't. But with that one, part of the issue was there was an initial delay in actually searching for. Her. It was reported to tribal police at first because she is a tribal member, and then they don't have authority to search or do stuff off the reservation where she was likely missing. And that comes under the authority of the federal, usually FBI in this case, or uh, yeah. Uh, BIA also sometimes has police force. I think uh, that was hardened, so they do have their own police force, which we're getting into here because the Crows are taking this matter to the Supreme Court because, as I mentioned, tribal police do not have authority off the reservation, of course, but also they do not have authority on the reservation for non-Native members. The Crows are taking this up to the Supreme Court. I think it's the Ninth District affirmed... Yeah the opinion that they do not have that authority over non-Indians. Okay. Uh, so specifically let's, let's, in the case take a, of let's take a step found. back here. Let's get, let's get everybody up to speed on this one here though. Um, the article, the article that we're looking at here is from Montana org, And it says oh, here, those the, guys again, this whole controversy yet yeah, all it centers around the controversy of United States V Cooley, which centers on the detainment of a non-Indian and evidence, which includes guns and about 260 grams of meth gathered by a tribal police officer from a truck stopped on the shoulder of a U.S. highway traversing the Crow Reservation in south-central Montana. The Supreme Court, which agreed late last month to hear the case, will decide whether lower courts erred in disallowing that evidence on the determination that a tribal police officer lacked authority to temporarily detain and search a non-Indian on a public right-of-way within a reservation. While the question before the court is a narrow one, its ruling could have a major impact on how tribal police officers uh, perform their jobs. The case eventually reached the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which denied the government's appeal in 2019 because the government wanted the government wanted the evidence in, and they were not allowed and and they were not allowed to do so. Ruling that the tribal police officers' ability to detain or search non-Indians dependence on the existence of what is what's called of quote obvious or, quote, apparent violations of state or federal law, which is a stricter standard than the reasonable suspicion standard that non-tribal officers operate under. The court said the tribal officer can stop suspects on public rights away, so they do have the ability to pull you over. But they must determine then whether the suspect is Indian or not, and if they are not, the officer can then detain them only if they observe an obvious or apparent violation of the law. Well, that's a 
pretty narrow definition, but I would, I, I am of the opinion that tribal police officers should have absolute police authority on the reservation. It, it just blows my mind that that's not the case, and I, I don't think that a yeah. lot of people know that, unfortunately. That that's that's kind to me. That's kind of that, that's kind of that's very asinine. Let me see here. The, you have me erring on the side of cops. Here is how backwards this is. That that usually doesn't doesn't happen in uh, my a cab vocabulary. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay, which is true. Um, even even I, as a uh, career criminal as I am, can see how uh, in Minecraft in Minecraft and can see how limiting and damaging this is, especially in cases where outside of tribal law enforcement, there may not be actually non-tribal law enforcement on the reservations. Because typically the BIA yeah. and the FBI are only serving as a police force in the event of a tribe's failure to provide a police force. Often don't exist side by side. And certainly the reservations are huge. Just think of the area outside of Hardin, that's hundreds of, of square miles. Any police force is going to be stretched very thin there, let alone trying to duplicate mm -hmm. police forces for uh, you know different um, ethnicities of people. Doesn't make any sense. Well, and, and imagine going to Canada too, is, and is telling you, the Mounties they can't pull you over. You mentioned ethnicity. You American. mentioned ethnicity, right? Sorry to keep, sorry to talk you over there. Uh, go ahead and finish your point there. I, um, I, I think I've got a I think I got a more salient one there to add to it though. Absolutely. And my point that I was going to make is is that yeah, it, it's funny because especially over the last few months, you would actually be kind of surprised how my opinion of law enforcement has changed. But one of the biggest challenges that they face is that is that if if you have law enforcement personnel who are not from the area right you 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 wind up you it makes their job especially harder because they're seen they're very much seen as an as an outsider force so if now all of a sudden you have the the tribe the if the tribal nations have to be patrolled by state agencies or like the FBI or something like that that are being uh, patrolled by people from not even not even necessarily even the same state at all so they have no ties to the community. Like I really see this becoming, I see it go getting really bad to the point where people were like, if, if there's a major issue with an officer, they just shuffle him around, you know, to another state and bring another one in. Because again, it, it's all, it's all federal at that point in time. You, so you, you were right. Um, I'll make a quick, I'm going to argue with myself and make a quick counterpoint. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the you know, BIA officers I know are native and are specifically attracted to that role to fulfill, um, to address that same problem you're talking about, sort of as a local. Yeah, they, they want to. They yeah. want to genuinely help their help their tribe. You you have been listening to this cast for a while because this is a point I, going back. Oh, geez, over a year back when Black Lives was really kicking up. By the way, Black Lives sticker right here in the uh, Montana Voices uh, Footlocker. That I was making that point that. When police are policing poor communities, even in Montana, the wage for a police officer, like Great Falls, I think, was just under fifty thousand dollars, which is a you know a decent middle class life. But yeah, when it's you get, about that about that rate for a first year officer, I think. But when you have a, a normal wage and you're bringing in people to uh, provide for law enforcement into a very impoverished region where the medium wage might be under ten thousand or might be you know nothing pretty much, these people are not of that community, even though they might live nearby it's a different different class and so that is a yeah. area of policing yeah, they, that i'm they, not sure how we solve they don't have family or ties in the community like their kids don't go to the schools their fan you know their parents don't live don't live in the same neighborhood or something like that they don't have or their brothers and sisters don't right. work it's at cops from the suburbs the enforcing the area rule there. in the inner city it's a different area entirely obviously a different different world almost Oof. 
Um, so I would hope. Final note here: the case history on this one. It started in 2016 when a tribal police officer on the Crow Reservation pulled up behind a truck, stopped alongside U.S. Highway 212 at about 1 a.m. Inside the truck was Joshua James Cooley, a child, dr- a child, drugs, guns, and cash. So, according to the government's request, that the Supreme Court hear the case. So, after noticing that rifles were in the vehicle, Coo- Coo- that he had weapons in the car, Cooley had slurred speech. And a gun in his hand, the Jeez. officer asked Cooley to leave the vehicle and then searched it, finding the meth and other items associated with drug trafficking. So How Cooley, was that obvious was reasonable suspicion, was detained by the tribal officer and later and later arrested by a county officer. I don't understand how that's not obvious reasonable suspicion right there. I mean, it's a, okay. So there's two different elements of this thing here, right? So if we go back to the standard of obvious or apparent, and again, I'm not a lawyer. Not legal advice, all that kind of stuff, but just my layman's interpretation. The officer observes he has slurred speech and he has a gun in his hand, right? Okay, so that's that right there. Those are the obvious and apparent things. The drugs and everything else were not observed until he actually searched the vehicle. Now, if he now if the officer if he was a if he was if Cooley was an Indian, that's reasonable suspicion. And I. Feel pretty confident saying just about any off any police officer would say, "Yeah, I'm going to search the vehicle." You know, it's obvious he's driving drunk. He's in da- and he's endangering the life of a child back here. I want to see what else this guy has got. What else is he getting involved in? But uh, Cooley was charged in U.S. District Court with possession of meth with intent to distribute and possession of a firearm in furtherance of a drug trafficking crime. His attorney his attorney successfully sought to have the gathered evidence suppressed on the grounds that the tribal officer lacked jurisdiction in that location over Cooley, who is a non-Indian. So that's where this whole thing is coming back. And because he's a non-Indian, the argument is, did the officer have essentially have jurisdiction over him? Uh, that's one of the most common blunders that criminals make. If you're doing crime, just do one crime at a time. I mean... It kind of is. It really is. Well, well, you know, what is it? The, you know, when they, went at, when they went after Capone, they got him on taxes, not actual, you know, not actual alcohol right. distribution shit. Uh, do I have my ducks in a row here? So the ninth court says the evidence should be thrown out, but the uh, government, the federal government, is challenging this up to the Supreme Court. It, am I? Uh, you have still. Yeah, I'm reading. Up. I'm I'm reading this here. So so Cooley's lawyer said you can't you you can't admit this evidence because the officer, the tribal officer, had no jurisdiction. And this comes into play because the tribal officer did the search. Right. That that's that's a real issue here. If a, if a Montana state if a Montana State Patrol officer or somebody else from the county did the search, then all of this would definitely be admissible in court. The issue is that the, is the fact that the tribal officer did the search and came up and came up with all this here. I, I, I'm surprised they actually discarded the evidence because to me, the argue, or I would re- I would almost want to look at the case file and see what the actual or look at the or look at the pleadings and see what the actual argument was here, because it was it's to me from a layman's perspective it's apparent and obvious that he was that he was drunk driving he had slurred speech he it, and he had a and combine that with the fact that he had that he had open firearms in his vehicle and in his hand now in his hand in his hand he had a gun in his hand. I, I'm genuinely surprised the guy is still alive. I mean, I, I can only imagine what the officer, what the officer was thinking when he pulled when he, and and again he also had and he also had a child in the back of his vehicle. Where the 
obviously the what they're saying here where the officer went wrong is is that went in and searched the vehicle after detaining Cooley is is essentially what happened here. That all seems Which, reasonable again, it, to me. So yeah. that's what's that? That seems reasonable to me that that's what would happen. And I can't imagine the the thing I was talking about earlier where um this is a huge area and we're doubling up a police force. I, I imagine highway patrol resources weren't available at that time. And if or, that search wasn't yeah, conducted, or, this guy might have been able to drive away. That would be the effect of this. Let's say let's say that the Supreme Court r- rules that that you know grants cert and allows this to stand. Then that then that tells us, or then that basically means that this that you're going to have to have multiple law enforcement agencies at multiple different levels specifically to handle tri- to handle the tribes. Well, so that means that the we Mon- already you know, in have our case, that. Montana State Patrol is going to have to have more officers, and they're going to have to be assigned specifically to handle all this. And like they make another argument here in this article that like you know the 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 officers don't want to ha- be put in a situation where they have to wait for the state to show up on a domestic on a, dom- we- on, a, on a domestic violence situation, which would be the effect as potentially of a rule of a ruling on you know ruling in in the uh, fa- in the favor of the defendant on this one that is the system that, as it stands right now that is yeah. the status quo on the I, reservations so as i pointed out earlier with my uh, speeding allegedly to be charged with the crime of speeding we both would have to sit there and wait for a non-tribal officer to come and issue that citation and then, and then even then sh- there could be an argument made that does he even have the authority to detain you if all if all you were doing was like speeding, as I understand, it's I, uh, one small step above citizens' arrest. As I understand, yeah. which should change within the borders of a reservation, in my opinion, makes sense to me. To should go to whatever local authority, whether that be the tribal police or the BIA or the FBI, um, whichever one it is. So, mm-hmm. but to the Supreme Court, which unfortunately does not have the best record in dealing with tribal affairs. And the uh, Supreme Court once legalized slavery repeatedly. Uh, I don't know if you remember. So the Supreme Court is not always right in history yeah, or it, with and themselves. That, and, and that's one of the arguments that like this all ties, or that uh, some of the lawyers I listen to have said, is, is that you never want to, you never want these things to go to the Supreme Court or really any court if you can avoid it because you don't know how the judge is going to rule. You don't, you have no guarantee that you're going to get the outcome that you want. You may you may get all, you may get some, you may get nothing of what you want on this one here. So the the article here kind of closes up by saying, "quote A Supreme Court a- affirmation of the ruling would be especially felt by tribes attempting to address the problem of missing and murdered Indigenous people. Uh, for example, the Fort Peck, Assiniboine, and Sioux tribes, which joined that brief, have." St- they've joined the brief saying that they want the Supreme court to overturn their ruling and to allow that and to allow that evidence to be admitted because the Assiniboine and Sioux tribes have, uh, have started to prosecute non-Indians for domestic violence incidents against native Americans. Uh, this is, that has been allowed since the reauthorization of the violence against women act in 2013, but could be complicated if the ninth circuit ruling stands. So that that's another really good point right there. So let's say let's say you have a non-Indian and an and a native, or a non-indigenous and an indigenous person in a dwelling, and there's a report of a domestic. What do you do? Well, if you're uh, in Sioux land, apparently you're going to get arrested. So, <laughs> but that <laughs> well, might yeah, be again, the exception. They're, they're, but I mean, it, it's it's another example of those things that is essentially like law enforcement is going to need like a flow chart 
to, that says okay, it, and they have to, and and they have to factor in essentially race. It, it, it becomes it's like if you're this race and you're not that race or this or that. Well, there's I, a reason I, that's wrong. Um, well, that, that's wrong, and I do I do not want any officer put in that situation. Because, a, uh, yeah, a quick clarification when, when you're dealing with serious things like you know. You know, you were just talking earlier about how how uh, you know human trafficking is a huge problem. I'm I'm like, could you imagine if a well, if an officer if if uh, if if a, an indigenous person was kidnapped and you know they they start gathering a description and they said and the suspect is non indigenous. Well, now the tribal officer's got to go. Whoa, 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 hold on! I got to get the FBI in here. We got to wait. That's what happens now, and this is why this slips through the cracks. I mean the. FBI is not the, the authority falls to the FBI usually when it's a, a missing uh, indigenous woman or person. But as far as how quickly the FBI reacts and with what veracity they react, it's um, kind of whatever. Uh, if there's somebody in the region, I guess, which there not always is, so it falls through the cracks all the time, and it's been cited time and time again that the we all know the first forty-eight are the most important. But if action can't yes. be taken in that first 48, for example, with that gal that uh, froze to death outside of the rest area, rest area was not on the reservation. The tribal police who were investigating her disappearance did not have authority to go there. They Eventually, the tribe went there just on their own volition with uh, little yeah, support like, from the state it, we're police. Going. Well, yes, and they found her eventually. It was the, uh, I think, the Hardin uh, sheriff deputy that did it. That's, uh, we covered that a while ago. It was bring back painful memories to report on it again. But that's exactly what happened. Um, I'm not sure if the outcome in this, that specific situation would have changed, but you can certainly see how a missing indigenous person could simply fall through the cracks of whose jurisdiction it is. Are they missing on the reservation? Are they missing off the reservation? Who has the authority to investigate this? And oftentimes that means the, uh, the buck kind of gets passed to somebody else. Because, I mean, yeah. a tribal police force... Um, it certainly has limited resources on for a small tribe. Very. Ten thousand. Think of a town of ten thousand people and the size of that police force, and think of that spread out over hundreds of miles. That's the police force that's getting thinned out like that. So mm-hmm. that that is the status quo right now. That's uh, I think one of the biggest factors contributing to the epidemic of missing Indigenous people. I I personally hope that they overturn or that they overturn this ruling and allow the admission of that kind of evidence there. I think this. I think the issue here really needs to be addressed through legislation. I don't. I don't want there to be a patchwork of court rulings that essentially establish like two different standards here, or different standards for this, or different standards for that. Because that that's my big concern is is that is that the Supreme Court could. I mean, they've already granted cert, so they've given permission to they've given permission to the government to file the to file their appeal. I just don't want the government to. I don't want there to be a ruling that says, "Well, it, if it, it, if it, if it's involving something that is like life and death, then there's a different standard applied to this thing." I'd rather, just like you said, um, I'd re- if you cross into tribal lands, you need to follow tribal law, and if you break that law, a tribal officer can, you know, can detain you, Jimmy. They they, they can detain uh, you. Am I being detained? <laughs> Well, there are a lot of people that would not like to see this go through. There are active parties, specifically 
on the reservation to the north of me on the Flathead Reservation, there is a group of non-tribal members, maybe the least um, tribal reservation. I think 60% of the people on that reservation are white, and they're uh, they're rich whites because it's all resort towns and lake houses. I think it would probably be better to say that they're non-indigenous people there. They're just people. Oh, that that takes me back. They're just living on the lands. You're right. That takes me back to a point I was going to make, but then you you kept on going. Um, We're not talking about the ethnicity we're talking about tribal enrollment status specifically because ethnicity yep. doesn't guarantee you or eliminate you from the tribe either way. And things Correct. like blood quantum are designed to actually decrease the tribes. So not ethnicity, actual something that's, you know, a document and ID. But, oh, yeah, there's actual forces up um, that, uh, that people have been telling me about. And I haven't seen any solid reporting. So I've sort of been picking up pieces from these small groups that are having gatherings that are actually non-tribal members that are, you know, renting out convention centers in Kalispell to see how they can erode tribal sovereignty on the reservation that they choose to have a lake house on half the year, which is... How generous of them. Yeah, which is just madness. And I, I, I honestly think the tribe doesn't have enough authority over them. The tribe can't tax them on that land. So if you're uh, if you own a lake house those taxes go to the state of Montana, are extracted, and supposedly come back to them for whatever grants or whatever. I don't know exactly how the state yeah, budget sure works. Yeah, sure they do. Uh, exactly. Sure they do. State and federal taxes still apply, but no oh, yeah. tribal taxes. And in in that situation, I I, I don't think the, the money comes back uh, one for one. They stay, pay tax. That's another myth. Indians don't pay taxes. Absolutely do. <laughs> Depending Go on, on the tribe. so anyways, you were so saying you that, were, they, that they were that they were that they were making an argument against against uh, against trying to overturn the ruling. Uh, overturn the ruling. I'm not sure if they picked up on this exact ruling. This is pretty hot off the press, but they are opposed to any tribal sovereignty matters, such as the uh, Salish Kootenai tribes getting the uh, they now are under authority to manage the national bison range which is land that was ceded to them per the treaty of 1860-something. But then the government decided they wanted that land back in 1908, and that there was a court case 60 years after that in which it was affirmed that the government was in the wrong and that the land belonged to the tribe. And it's another 60 years until they actually get it back. So slow progress is being made. Speaking of slow progress, Supreme Court, slow progress, court going up to the Supreme Court, which, I don't know, it's a new Supreme Court. We have, what, uh, three new uh, Trump-appointed justices, right? We've got that, yes. that new gal, then uh, that, that rapist guy, and then, or allegedly, <laughs> sorry, Chris. Yeah, I was about to say, man, <laughs> hold on here. Supposedly. Um, yeah, he denies Kav- all allegations, good sir. Of course, uh, Kavanaugh and that other, oh, I forget Gorsuch. Who. Gorsuch, yeah. Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. So it's a, a very different court, and they have not been tested yet on native matters since they've since these three new justices have been appointed but everybody's uh, the left's hero ruth bader ginsburg did not have the best track record in dealing with the tribes or on legal matters in this in fact she wrote the this the dissenting opinion for uh it was a new york tribe that uh very similar to how the salish lost uh the national bison range the government just decided they wanted it back and took it uh, I forget which tribe exactly it was out of New York, but uh, a lot of land was uh, given out through allotment, uh, basically literally taking from them after, of course, their main land was taken. But after they were on the reservation, parts of that land were taken and checkerboard sold or given away to 
whomever, for whatever reason. So, come a hundred years later, the tribe starts buying back land that was taken, but never actually, you know, ceded or deeded to anybody any different, just basically taken from them. And so they bought the land back, and then the court ruling, they tried to challenge the uh, their responsibility for paying taxes, because the tribe doesn't pay taxes to the uh, non-tribal entities within the reservation, basically. So they said, this is our land. It was in the treaty. We own it now. They actually bought it back in the open market. We shouldn't have to pay taxes on this. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote the opinion stating that this is opening the wounds from that are long settled and, and saying that this was old news and we don't want to uh, rekindle these ashes, basically, was I think was their verbiage, which is weird because... Something like the National Bison Range that recently, this is in that last uh, $600 stimulus and budget bill. That's how fresh this is. Um, that doesn't mm. sound like um, ashes or even embers. That sounds like this is an issue that's still not settled. So for her to say that, and she, there are other smaller cases, but that was a big one where she uh, pointed out that they uh, basically are, don't have authority over their own land that was treated, which is interesting. It's a one-sided treaty. And then the government decides later that, oh, there's gold in the hills. Yeah, we didn't mean those hills. Those are our hills. So, uh, anywho, we well, hey, the, you, you mentioned it. You mentioned it before. I think you were talking about Canada and their wall. Yeah, we got to keep them out of their sweaters and their A's. The feral pigs are coming. I was promised feral pigs. I thought they'd be here by now. Whoa, really? Feral pigs? Yeah, feral pigs coming down from Canada. But. I know. I was excited. Apparently, they're terrible for crops, for land. They, they Oh, yeah, they uh, are, dude. I mean, they what are, are you going to really do if 30 to 50 feral pigs show up on your land? Yeah, it, it you base, if you don't have a gun, you hide. <laughs> so that was sort of made into a meme joke. The, uh, what's the 30 to 50 feral pigs? The, yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. But it, it, I think it was like the AR-15 argument or something like that. Y- yes, I, I recall. But feral pigs are a real threat, uh, especially to, <laughs> since they're coming from Canada. Oh yeah, they are. Well, and not only that, I mean, if you if you look at Georgia, uh, it's a it's a very big problem down there in Georgia. Huge problem down there. Oh well, it's uh, our future here. I mean, who knows what to do with the crops, who know, or livestock, or even natural uh, animal life here. But Dude, how how amazing would it be? If we solve the whole the whole uh, wolf issue, eating cattle, if the wolves just turn around and ate the pigs. That is an interesting ordeal. We cover that in a previous yeah. cast. Montana pays farmers for their cattle that are eaten by wolves. Yeah, well, that's because, that's because it was part of a program to reintroduce the wolves into the Montana wilderness. And that was a, that was a huge concern brought up by the, by the farmers was, look, you guys, you let the wolves out here, man. They're going to eat my cattle. They're going to do it. They do. They absolutely do. And Montana paid uh, several million dollars out just last year for that. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> so wolves are out wolving. But, well, I, I, that's all I had things. in the docket here, unless there's uh, something you want to add. or Yeah. Chris, I, you really yeah, pulled it out of me. I was looking at the clock myself. I, you know, we just go on, dude. It's okay. It's, it's quite okay. So I've oh, really boy. enjoyed our chats here. Again, you are, are definitely driving viewership, it feels like. Um, I, I, I have numbers or something. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's a, it's I, I don't get to talk to you guys a lot, so it's it's actually very nice to, if nothing else, just be able, just be able to to throw inside jokes at people again. All right. Well, for those that don't know, many years ago, me and Chris uh, 
and Bryce all work for the same place. Uh, that's no longer the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, people move on, but uh, so we're yep. nostalgic for a, a much different time in our lives. Oh, we're all in our twenties oh, or so. No kidding. Such a long time ago. <laughs> no kidding, man. Uh, it feels time. like it. I tell you what. I tell you what, you're doing what I'm doing now. It it really does feel like five. It it actually. Well, I met you, you over ten years ago, so it was uh, <laughs> well over ten years yeah, ago, I, wasn't it? Jeez. Well, let's uh, put this one in the books. Montana Voices podcast available wherever fine podcasts are sold, except Spotify. Uh, one exception. We we do have a Twitch. Maybe I should upload something to there eventually. Gmail Montana Voices at Gmail dot com. Of course, we're on uh, Twitter. At Montana Voices, we're on YouTube. You also Montana, I think underscore Voices there. I don't have a listen from. Damn it, Bryce usually does this, or there's a recording. <laughs> but so, thank you for the wild ride that has been episode forty six, uh, or goodbye forty five.